0: You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State Buckeyes podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome in to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. And beam, I had to make a new open with the I'm a boss instrumental behind it because we've got a special guest hopping on today. And he is the boss. And he is the boss of the Ohio State football beat. That is one Mr. Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch. Mr. May, how are you, sir?
0: Pretty good. But you guys get to work.
1: I know we're uh, since too I'm the, busy.
0: Since I'm, since, since I'm the boss, <laughs>
1: to. <laughs> too busy fooling around here, Timmy. So you got Matt Hayes, Brandon B from 97 One, the Fame. We're going to talk all things Ohio State, TCU with Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch right now. So let's get right into it. But before we get to the TCU angle of this, Tim, just your overall thoughts of the team and how they've looked through two games against weaker opponents, but they've handled their business so far.
0: Yeah, they've looked. They've looked away a. Strong teams should look against weaker opponents, is the best way of putting it. And they, you know, sometimes you judge. I judge teams like that as much in games like uh, Oregon State and Rutgers as I do the upcoming game. From the standpoint, of do they do they win the way they're supposed to win? You know, and of course, uh, there were like three big plays in that Oregon State game, which really changed the way that game looked. But you know, Ohio State did give them up, <laughs> and uh, and had some things to fix uh, in, in that regard. But uh, you know, thirty-one points to Oregon State. I'm not sure anyone saw that coming, but uh, 77, maybe a few people did. But you know, this offense has launched, uh, I think, about the way people thought it would. And uh, you know, I take into account they only scored 52 against Rutgers. But I think Rutgers is a better team than it was even last year, but I think Ohio State is too. So I think that showed in the score, 52 to three. But clearly, they're they're fa- they're going to face stiffer tests, and uh, including the one coming up against. Texas Christian.
2: Tim, you've been around the Ohio State just program for so long. You're the OG, the Ohio State beat writer, you know, the godfather. Of the beat and um, I just want to know you've been around so many coaches in your day Uh, what has impressed you the most about acting head coach Ryan Day in his first two games I mean that's not an easy place to come in you know when you're replacing Urban Meyer for the first three games of the season I know the biggest test of Ryan Day's career as acting head coach is coming this weekend against TCU but what's impressed you the most about Ryan Day throughout the first two games of the season being you know thrust into this kind of wolves pit as the Ohio State head coach
0: you know, I have never been asked this, but uh, I would liken it – I'm not talking about, you know, for an analogy, but I would liken it to taking over an oil tanker that's uh, basically what you've got to do is keep driving it straight, you know, down the canal. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah. that's – that. I mean, that takes some doing. I mean, you know, uh, but the bottom line is everything's sort of in place, you know, and and, and and this doesn't sound weird, but all you can do is sort of screw it up, you know, and uh, I think – I think what's, what stood out for me more than anything else about Ryan Day is how he stepped in there and kind of kept status quo going, leaned on uh, Greg Ciano and Kevin Wilson, two guys he knows who have uh, driven oil tankers before. <laughs> 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 and uh, and I'm, I don't know why I'm sticking with that analogy. I just like the way it sounds. It works. But but the bottom line is, you know, it was going to take a disaster for, uh, for him not to get past the first two buoys, which were uh, – Oregon State and uh, Rutgers, and and I thought he did a you know really good job. Obviously, we only got to watch a couple of snippets of a couple of practices, so you know, and we weren't in on any of the meetings. Of course, we didn't get to talk to Ryan Day until the until uh, the first game week. Uh, so uh, they kept him pretty much off limits, kept the team off limits uh, from the media. Well, of course, of course, we've been asking some obvious questions, but but the bottom line is, you know, you've been around. You guys have been around Ryan Day I mean he's a smart guy he's not you know he's not twenty four years old he's thirty nine years old he's been around the block, he's been in the National Football League. he dealt with the Colin Kaepernick situation when he was at San Francisco. He was Colin Kaepernick's quarterbacks coach and uh, my point is he's been through some you know interesting situations in his career, and uh, i thought he I thought he did extremely well uh you know it's still a little bit puzzling, not really. When you think about the backlash they might have gotten if they had named Greg Schiano based on uh, what what happened last December with that whole Tennessee thing, but uh, but it was still a little bit surprising to me anyway that they didn't make Greg Schiano the uh, acting head coach. But you know, the, as uh, as the late Earl Bruce used to say, that's water under the dam now.
1: No doubt about it. Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch joining us here on the Locked On Buckeyes podcast and sticking with the coaches. Uh, angle of this. Next week, Urban does return full-fledged. He'll be out there on the sideline uh, next Saturday. Just prowling the sideline. Side I know he's foaming at the mouth, Tim, to get back out there, but as far as the offense goes, do you expect it to be the same style of offense when Urban returns, or do we think we'll go back to more of kind of an RPO system like we've seen uh, the last couple of years here at Ohio State?
0: I wrote a story about this midway through the midway through preseason camp, a Sunday story. You can see it at dispatch.com dot com or Xer dot com. But uh, about that very thing, I mean, Urban Meyer, you know, you could without him even saying it, you could tell that he had in his mind similar thoughts that he had going into the 2015 season about having a quarterback who can stretch the field and hit every corner of the field with the passing game. And I'm talking about Cardale Jones back then, uh, coupled with a strong running game, and uh, maybe you could go places. They didn't have they didn't have the receiver core back then uh, that they do now. Uh, no, I don't expect. I I think they're doing exactly what Urban Meyer uh, wanted to get wanted to do going into this season. And you know, and anybody looking around in major college football, Ohio State proved this in 2014. Alabama reproved it last year at halftime when uh, uh, when all of a sudden Nick Saban put up a first year freshman Valoa. In at quarterback, I, I think I got that right. Uh, just uh, just roll with Tua, Tua,
1: Tim. There you go. Just do Tua. Yeah, it's,
0: it's easier to say Tua, yeah. <laughs> but we put Tua in at quarterback because he knew they had to throw the ball to get back in that game and or to take take control of that game. That's what you have to do in college football anymore is you've got to really to really reach for the heights. You've got to have a big-time, over-the-top passing game to go along with everything else. And if you look at the, uh, the several teams that I think are the big-time contenders this year uh, – all of them either have that or have that uh on the way. So um I think it's going to stay, you know, basically the same. But you you, you guys know this. I mean from game to game things change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like last week when but when people were talking last week about it you know it was going to be raining and they're gonna say well this uh they'll go more to the running game I I go, no, unless there's big wind involved, I think the passing game is even more effective in a in a in a light or medium rain because uh you know, your guys know where they're going, and the other guys don't. And, and I think they proved that against Rutgers. So, uh, you know, I expect it to stay. I mean, everybody in that building knows they've got a special talent in Dwayne Haskins Jr., and his talent is not the zone read option keep. Because if you've been watching games, the first two games, he's had several options. And if he'd have kept, he might have run 10 yards without ever even uh, – being within five yards of a defender and instead he gave, you know, gave the ball away, Uh, you know, J.K. Barrett would probably have kept the ball in those Mm -hmm. situations. So I would think they're going to stick with that. But, you know, they also have Tate Martell sitting there on, uh, what do they call that in the top gun, ready five. Yeah,
2: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Tim, uh, you know, you mentioned the 2014 Ohio State Buckeyes in there. Unbelievable three-game run uh, with Cardale Jones. We know the story. J.T. Barrett goes down in the Michigan game. Enter Cardale Jones. The 59 nothing beatdown of Wisconsin, beating of Alabama, beating of Oregon. Do you see similarities to the 2014 team? Because when you look at that team at every level, you know there were pros at every single level there, and you had a dynamite running game with Zeke Elliott. You know you look at this year, and you've got J.K. Dobbins, you've got Mike Weber, you have the big arm talent in Dwayne Haskins go back to 2014 you know Cardale 12 gauge the shotgun out there ripping defenses left and right over the top do you see similarities between this year's 2018 version of the Buckeyes back to 2014
0: yeah and I know you were on a break when I said that earlier so I'll just repeat it yes I do uh Brandon I'm just messing with you (laughs) uh uh, yes I do uh except uh, this team is interesting like, I, I, keep, I keep having this caveat. I, I always have a, pr- a preface with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying everybody on this team is better, anybody on this team is better than those those top-line players you saw in 2014, and especially in that playoff run. You know, obviously, if they had voted on the Heisman Trophy after the playoffs that year, uh, Ezekiel Elliott probably would have won it. But uh, But what you see is you see more depth at every position, and I think that's what's really different about this team than the 2014 team. I mean, they've got like eight or ten receivers, but especially six, seven receivers I think they think they can count on. And uh, a tight end who's, you know, obviously Luke Farrell's some success, but you also see a youngster coming up through the ranks, uh, Jeremy Ruckert, who's going to see more and more action as it goes along. Running backs, you know, they haven't been this deep at running back since Urban Meyer's been here. I'm talking about two proven guys. And then you've got Brian Snead. I mean, you know, I think they're aching to get him even more carries, but how do you do that when you got two thousand yard backs ahead of him? But that's and then Master Teague the third, also gives you an explosiveness out of the backfield. So what I see is a depth even on the offensive line that they didn't have back then. You know, if they'd had one member of that offensive line hurt back then in two thousand fourteen, yeah. they might have been they might have been dead in the water. So uh there's some depth now on the offensive line they didn't have. Just so I'm just talking about purely offensively. This is a this is a deeper team with a quarterback who, like I said, can hit every corner of the field with a passing game, and that's what sets his team apart from the 2014 team.
1: Tim May, Columbus Dispatch, joining us here on the Lockdown Buckeyes podcast. If you're not already following, following him on Twitter, go do that right now. Tim underscore May Sports. You could follow him on Twitter there. He's a great follow, covers everything Ohio State, especially the football. He knocks all of it out the park. well Indy racing, too. Indy racing. He's got it all for you guys, so go follow him definitely on Twitter. Tim, I wanted to ask you about – not the D line, but the coach of the D line, because obviously Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Draymond Jones—they get a lot of love and rightfully so. But when you look at the leader mm-hmm. of that that group, and Larry Johnson, just talk about how valuable he's been to this program, and obviously the defensive line unit.
0: anybody Anybody knows anything about football knows, man. If you can get a defensive line going and playing with consistency, but also with depth, <clears throat> you know you've got it going. Mean, you you are con- you are a contender because you can sort of take control of, of games. Larry Johnson, I'm not saying this. I mean, other people have said this. Larry Johnson is basically the best defensive line coach in the country. Or You know, if he if he's not, he's in the top three. Let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, you look at Clemson, and what sets Clemson apart is that defensive front. Uh, Ohio State, same way. Alabama, you know, plays stout up there up front. <clears throat> but you've got to have the coach getting it done. And, you know, obviously – you know, the, the Bosa swear by by Larry Johnson. And I keep reminding people, you know, when when Joey Bosa signed with Ohio State, the defensive line coach was Mike Vrabel. <laughs> and uh, uh, Don, Larry Johnson didn't come along until Bosa's uh, sophomore year, which was that 2014 season. Yep. And uh, the whole defensive line, I think, sort of shot up from there from an effectiveness standpoint. So there there's no doubt that he is, he is one of the elites. And uh, just the way, you know, he, he – he doesn't play anybody unless he thinks they can play, but he is hell-bent on having at least eight guys that can play uh, from a rotation standpoint. Of course, they might have six or eight defensive tackles right now who who fit that bill, who who probably deserve some playing time one way or the other. But, you know, you look at that, that starting front four now, you know, B.B. Landers, uh, Draymond Jones, Chase Young, Chase Young or, or Jonathan Cooper, and then uh, Nick Bosa, you know, they match up pretty much with – Anyone in the country, with the exception maybe of uh, of of Clemson, because I mean Dexter Lawrence, that big kid in the middle, man, that just that's a that guy's a game changer. Ohio State really doesn't have that kind of player, that what I call that a gap uh, stuffer. Uh, but but BB B. Landers gives it, gives it all he's got. I mean, uh, so uh, but then back to what you said about Larry Johnson, yeah, he's one of the elite.
2: So Tim, we know that Ohio State. Uh, traveling down to AT&T Stadium this weekend to take on the TCU Horned Frogs. Um, interesting matchup because I think that when I've watched TCU play, that they are one of the fastest teams in college football. Their skill position players are absolutely ruthless when it comes to breakaway speed and getting them in the open field. When you look at the Ohio State defense, we just talked about the defensive line, but when you look at that back seven for Ohio State linebacking core in the secondary, what do you think Greg Schiano is going to have to do to dial up... Uh, play calling for the Ohio State defense to limit the amount of space that the TCU skill position players can work in
0: I'm interested to see what he does uh because you know you just I mean this this is a this is a better team this is a better skill group than Ohio State has faced the first two games and uh and by the way uh I, there's a caveat there Ar- Artavis Artavis Pierce the uh running back from from uh mm-hmm. Oregon State could probably probably should have been on the US four by one hundred relay team based on what he looked like. Right. But uh yeah. but but I mean uh TCU almost everybody on that offense is fast and uh that does create matchup problems from the standpoint of you know uh slants. Matter of fact my my game of the my play of the week this week in our game day plus is just that simple slant. And uh it, the the one he that uh that uh, the uh Cavante Turpin scored on last week against SMU's almost identical play to what uh, Oregon State ran for their first touchdown against Ohio State, you know. So, obviously, I'm sure uh, Greg Chan has played that uh, play over and over uh, to his guys, his safeties, whoever's going to be ending up at safety. That's an interesting uh, situation there, uh, you know, with Jordan Fuller. But then who's that other safety? Is it Isaiah Pryor? Uh, Is it Jocelyn Wynn? Or maybe is it Sean Wade on Saturday night, you know. That remains to be seen. Bottom line is you can't give these guys – I've got a story about that coming in our Friday paper at dispatch.com uh, Is the bottom line is you can't let, let these guys have a lot of green space because they can make something happen, and especially the turpin guy. I mean, he lives he lives on green acres, you know, and uh, and he's only five nine hundred and fifty seven pounds. You would think he would lie and say he's at least one sixty, right? But uh, <laughs> he's, he's, but he's extremely he's extremely fast and quick, and those kind of guys can make things happen. So. Uh, to answer your question, I'm not really sure. I, I think Ohio State would always come out and try to play man on the edges and then maybe play some games uh, in between, you know what I mean, in the yep. sandwich area because that's where uh, TCU has come up with a lot of big plays is in that sandwich area uh, causing uh, linebackers to come forward and safeties to drop off and then uh, hitting hitting little slants and crosses underneath there, you know, which sometimes go for 8 or 10 yards and sometimes go for 80 or 90 yards. So that's – that's a real conundrum, I think, for for uh, for Greg Schiano. But what what can what can really help is if is if the uh, defensive line not only has a great pass rushing day, but has a just a great dominant day in, in the gaps, et cetera, and controlling the running game.
1: No doubt about it, Tim. This was amazing. Thank you so okay, much, Ryan. Go right. ahead.
0: Let me say one thing. Yep. but that was a duh statement anyway, because that's always the case. Yeah, <laughs> no, we just
1: want to say thank you so much for hopping on with us. You know, we got you have a lot more important things to do than hang out with a couple twenty-year-olds. So no, thank you so much for doing yeah, I this.
0: Gotta, I gotta go. I gotta go feed my horses. My wife's out of town, so you're right. I'm getting hungry. You gotta get those thoroughbreds today. ready, Tim. <laughs> no, so Tim, thank you so much,
1: right, baby. All right, have a good one. Enjoy the game on Saturday.
0: Hey, anytime, fellas. You know that. I
1: like you guys. All right, man. Thanks so much. That's Tim May from the Columbus Dispatch uh, joining us here on the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. Being we got to take a quick break. We'll come back, and you'll hear from Nick Bosa about some of the stuff he expects to go down on Saturday against the Horn Frogs.
0: You are Locked on Buckeyes. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked on. Don't worry. I won't finish. You get the idea.
1: Before we get to 97 coming off the edge, I want to let you uh, know a little bit about my bookie. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for my advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on that week. The truth Eddie is, Hayes, the I, betting don't, guy. <laughs> I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, when you're betting, when you are betting on, is it just as important as who you're betting with? That's why I always tell people, Beam, to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They are your best bet this season. My bookie, check them out all the time. Beam, you've been you've been betting at all? Well, you know, I um, I do bets in my head. In your head, I do
2: bets in my head, and I like to get on you know my bookie, and I like to see what the odds are and yep. everything like that. And um, you know, I just I'm I'm terrified. I'm actually terrified of putting my own money down, even though on the season, the college football season, NFL season, yeah. I'm, I'm ahead. Uh, I just. You know, I work. I work hard for my money, I and like I don't. That. I don't even like, like even if you're going to a casino or something like that or horse races, I don't even like spending a lot of money there. Yeah, because you can leave so much up to chance. Right. You know. Yeah. No. But I yeah. I'm that. all in on it. I think I it just I work too hard for my money to blow <laughs> it on. So like I'd rather golf. I'd rather get a nice bourbon
1: or something like that. You know, that's what I'm all about. I hear that. No, I, I'm slowly getting into the betting world and like bet like twenty five dollars on some college and NFL hey, game you missed games. Last big loss my money, parlay. but guess what? Your boy's back in the box. Okay, he's swinging. Here we go. And I'm just hacking at anything that comes my way. So no, I'm all in on the betting world. So definitely, guys, check out my bookie, uh, one of our great sponsors here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's get to number ninety-seven. That being Nick Bosa, and here he is on what he looks for when he's studying film.
0: We start with uh, runs, like just run plays, because stopping the run is obviously the most important thing for us. We come in on Sunday, watch all the runs, get their top runs, percentages, stuff like that. And then we move on to pass later in the week, um, just look at the tackles for me, just their hands, how they shoot, how they punch.
1: The last part I love there, right, because you know this being playing football, when you're coming off that edge... It's not all about the bull rush. It's not all about how strong you are. It's about your finesse. And that's why you see a lot of these D-linemen in the offseason do boxing, kickboxing, MMA, all of that stuff because it really gets their hands going. And it's a beautiful thing because if you do watch Nick Bosa and you read some of the stuff about really what makes him elite, it's his hands, and that to me is a key right there because, look, man, if you got great hands and you know those tackles are trying to get into your chest right away with the jam, there's no way they're getting to you, and that's why you see Nick Bosa have so much success. Yeah, there
2: was a great article written by Pete Thamel um, who was talking about Nick Bosa's stretching routine, and he apparently you know trained in the offseason with Joey, uh, his older brother with the Chargers. Joey had this guy uh, who – pretty much told him he's like stretching is the key part of anything and nick bosa does um three to four 30 minute sessions each day of stretching and by far uh his ohio state teammate said he's the most flexible flexible person on the team yep. uh and when you take that much care of your body maddie and you're already built like a temple you know like that guy is unbelievable just when you look at him and his physical dominance And when you add that in with the work ethic that he has there, not only talking about Larry Johnson and working on hand techniques and working on different ways to get around uh, offensive guards, offensive tackles, everything that he may go against being chipped by the running back. You know, when you go in and you stretch and you put that much time and effort into working on technique and hand motion and strength and lifting, there's only one possible outcome that's going to happen. Right. And that's to be an elite player. Okay. And if you put that much time and effort into your craft, you're going to be elite when he's already given the bloodline that he's been given by his pops, his uncle, right. Joey. Yep. You know, you look at him, there's only one possible outcome, and that is to be an absolute monster. And he's proven that through the first two games of the season. Uh, he's got three and a half sacks, I believe, or three sacks on the year. Uh, that number's only going to continue to rise yep. because you know we've talked about on this podcast all the time is that you just – you can't stop. You can't stop him because on the other end you got Chase, Chase Young. You have a Draymond Jones. Right. You've got Jonathan Cooper. You've got Jayshon Cornell. You have so many dogs. So it's like pick your poison. And if you single team Nick Bosa one time, you're going to be left in the dust. But yeah, man, his uh, his work ethic is absolutely incredible. It's as well.
1: absolutely nuts. And I'm glad you brought up the you know flexibility aspect of this because I don't think a lot of people think about that when you look at big defensive end and how agile they are because look at the turn next. So when you watch TCU. Watch Nick Bosa come off the edge. If he's in single coverage
2: right. and if it's him in a tackle, watch the ability that he has to angle his body and turn. I mean, Matt, he gets like a foot and a half here's, off the
1: his shoulders like a foot and a half off the ground when he's bending like that. Here's what I'm gonna bring up here. You watch Sunday football in the National Football yeah. League or Thursday night Monday, whenever it's on. Watch the elite pass rushers. Von Miller, Khalil Mack, Mm -hmm. even Miles Garrett. You saw it in game one against Pittsburgh. I mean, their ability to bend off the edge is what makes those guys absolute freak shows. All right, one more clip here from Nick Bosa before we hit a quick break, and we'll get you some Dwayne Hassan's clips. Here are his his thoughts on TCU quarterback Sean Robinson.
0: We just got to contain him uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, running quarterbacks are tough. You can't just... Rush freely and do the same things that we that we've been doing. We kind of have to stay in our lanes and be more disciplined.
1: Contain, contain, contain. Been saying it all week. You this, and I both. Exactly. Have been saying it. We've been all over this thing, and it's, you're hearing exactly from Nick Bosa's mouth right there. It's not. You can't just shoot up field. You have to stay disciplined because Robinson can hurt you with his legs. And we'll get more into what he's done with his legs tomorrow when we really dive into TCU. But, Beamer, that's going to be big for Chase Young, all of those guys. And it's going to be tempting to get upfield right away because that's what they're you know used to doing. Sure. But, man, staying in your lane and staying on the outside, setting the edge is going to be a huge thing for Chase Young and uh, Nick Bosa. That's the
2: biggest thing when you go against a running quarterback. That's it, is contain, contain, contain because – if he, if you force Robinson to run up the middle, then you feed him right into the lion's den yes. with your linebackers, all right? Let your linebackers make the plays. I know that it's going to be tempting sometimes when you see an offensive lineman leading one way, you know that he can beat him, and I'm sure that the rush is going to be there, all right? Like, Ohio State's defensive line overmatches pretty much every single offensive line in college football, right. but when you look at Ohio State and what they do, you're absolutely right. Contain those edges, seal it and force Robinson to run up the middle right into the the teeth of your linebacker.
1: And the one thing that we know about running quarterbacks, guys that are really comfortable with their legs, if you make them stay in the pocket more times than not, that's where that guy isn't the most comfortable, right? So the thing for me is going to be keep Robinson inside of those tackles and make him beat you with his arm. We'll take a quick break here, let you hear from Dwayne Haskins, and then we'll get out of here.
0: This is Locked on Buckeyes. Your team, every day.
1: All right, let's hear from the gunslinger himself. I I, I listened to this clip earlier, Beam, and I, it's interesting because you and I talked about Ryan Day allowing Dwayne Haskins to audible at the line earlier in the week. Now, here's Dwayne Haskins, uh, you know, forecasting what it's like to run an up-tempo offense. It's making quick decisions. So There's a lot of trust in the coach for us to do that. You know, it's a lot that goes into running tempo. And uh, we're doing a great job with that. We do periods and practice of that. And, um, you know, we're executing and getting better at it every day. And you wear the defense sure down. You do. When you continue to move the chains and you make the right decisions, don't turn the ball over, obviously. The defense is going to get tired. And you got to give credit because, what, Chip Killian, Oregon, really got this ball rolling in the college football landscape a couple years ago, more than a couple years ago now, with the up-tempo. And we saw when that first came onto the scene that that had defenses absolutely gas. So now more colleges are obviously, you know, up-to-date on this thing. But man, the more you keep TCU off the field, a team that's a high-powered offense, yeah. the better for Ohio State. So those third and four to third and eights are going to be huge for Ohio State when they get in those situations. So the up-tempo offense is definitely going to be a key for them all year long. I like what Ohio State has done this year when you look at the first two games, Maddie, because sometimes they'll
2: come out and they'll run tempo. Yep. And sometimes they'll come out and understanding down and distance and game situation, and they don't need to run up-tempo. And I think that's something that you'll see uh, kind of a curveball here from Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson when this game gets kicked off on Saturday night at AT AT&T Stadium down in Arlington, Texas, is that keeping TCU's defense on the ropes and keeping them guessing. And maybe you're going to see three plays where they, they go up to the line of scrimmage and they run tempo, 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 get back to the line of scrimmage, get back to the line of scrimmage. You know, guys are running on and off the field for TCU, and then maybe later during that drive, right. they're going to slow it down, then speed it up. There's a lot of curveballs that you can see here uh, that's going to come with Ohio State, and to see the game plan and the game situation, man, I'm just I'm licking my chops for it. It's going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be great.
1: Jerry's World is going to be absolutely rocking. And Place I, is a palace. It's a damn palace. I got to get down there. I got to get down there to Jerry's World, man. Even the facility he built, just a practice facility, the star. looks absolutely incredible. Our last clip here from Dwayne Haskins for today. Uh, here are his. Cons- about what TCU brings to the table. Definitely this exotic looks from first down, second down, third down, a lot of different stuff. Uh, I think they do a really good job. They're a really experienced team, and um, we're getting ready for them. So the experience thing, it absolutely matters, especially when you talk about Gary Patterson. Defensive guy. heck yeah. of a defensive head coach. And the 4-2-5, you brought it up yesterday. That's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see how Dwayne Haskins handles that with the extra DB out there. But I brought it up yesterday as well. I think the running game will really be big, especially when you talk about uh, TCU's big D lineman being out for the year. I think it's Blacklock is his last yeah. name. Um We'll get that right tomorrow if that's the wrong name. Excuse me on that. But he's a he's one of he was arguably their best defensive lineman. When He was so, a big run stopper. Exactly. He's a pass
2: rusher. He did everything for yep. that
1: defensive line. So just the offensive line getting to the second level mm-hmm. and eliminating those two linebackers, I think, could be big for Ohio State. So I think Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins could end up being the stars of the show. Yeah, because I, could, I do too. With the extra D B out there, maybe they're gonna try to limit the downfield passing. So I think those guys could have big days.
2: Yeah, I do too. And uh, you know, when we were talking to Tim May of the Columbus Dispatch, he illustrated to you how good this offensive line is and how much depth that there is on this team and i'm with you maddie it's that it's such a tricky situation and i know i keep going back to the well here but when you're loaded at running back like ohio state is and you have a good offensive line and tcu runs a 4-2-5 system where they have that extra they have got that extra player in the secondary back there you start to run the ball and you start getting eight nine ten yards a pop and then they start creeping up in the box and maybe running a more prototype four three. Yep. You know they load you know, eight nine guys in there to try and stop the run, and that's where Dwayne Haskins will come and absolutely ether you around the field. Because if you give him spots to pick it out, guys got oh he's got open men running sniper. down the field. He's not gonna miss sniper. He's not gonna miss. He showed it in the first two games. That offensive line, if they can get the run game early, it's gonna be key to set up the passing game later on.
1: No doubt. Look, that's it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow to preview yeah. TCU, Ohio State. We're, we're picking games tomorrow. We'll start keeping track of those. Matt Hayes, Brandon Beam, 97.1 The Fan, thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Buckeyes Podcast.